Okay, everybody. Today, we're going to talk more about psychedelics and psilocybin with my next guest, who is Chief Educational Officer at Mr. Psychedelic Law. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss this one. And we're going to find out what happened. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown. By giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. My next guest is Dr. Julia Mir. She's a consultant in the emerging field of psychedelic medicine, serving as a bridge between Western and Eastern practices. Committed to emerging the two in order to create a new paradigm for integrative health and wellness. She was on the road to a career in pediatrics, but seeing the pitfalls of the current healthcare system, she decided to shift gears to explore transformative medicine where she has found her calling in advocacy and education. Julie, welcome to the show. We talked off, off. We talked a little bit off, uh, off, off the camera and everything else. And we seem to have both the same passion for kind of trying to change how modern medicine is actually doing certain things. But I want everybody to know exactly your background so they they understand who I'm talking to and where we're going from. Yes, thank you so much, and thank you for inviting me to come chat. Uh, so I'm Julia Mirror. I wanted to be a doctor since I was seven years old. But when I got into the medical system, uh, you know, I graduated medical school, started my pediatric residency. When I started seeing how medicine is actually practiced, I started to grow very disheartened. It started to not make sense to me. I wasn't sure exactly, uh, you know, there isn't as much focus on preventative care as I would hope. And it just seemed that the tools that we had available to us weren't working. And we're missing a bunch of tools. So with no real understanding of which direction I'm going to go, I resigned to the complete horror of my Russian Jewish doctor father. And I joked that I left medicine to pursue a life of healing. And I didn't know what that meant. But I knew that there were things that I could explore on my own that might help me fill those gaps. So I started looking into things like mindfulness-based stress reduction, uh, self-compassion. I started reading everything I could about trauma and I accidentally stumbled on the um, unbelievable healing potential of psychedelic assisted therapy. And so for me, this was something completely new. Um, I found out that there were studies happening in my backyard at NYU and we weren't talking about it. So this was very, very interesting to me. And I started looking into it. Um, you know, medical school taught me how to learn. So I started diving into it and figuring out what are the nuances. But at the same time, I also joined Dr. Michelle Wiener, kind of an apprenticeship. Um, I came by with some CBD coffee. She said, what are you doing? And we and I started coming to her office and shadowing her. And this was the first time that I saw cannabis medicine practiced. And it was the most fascinating thing because I'm now, you know, a year out of my residency thinking, you know, medicine is, is you know, 
we've, we've lost all hope. And then I see these patients coming in, they're off of their opioids. They are lowering their antidepressant medication and it's all with cannabis. And I was like, wow. So I, you know, I got involved with that. We did a little bit with CBD. I was really learning a lot. And the biggest learning moment for me was when I called the program that I used to, uh, that I did my residency in. And I said, look, I'd love to come back to a three-part resident wellness lecture and, you know, talk about mindfulness and all of these things and CBD. And in that moment, it was like, oh no, that's that stuff in cannabis, right? Whenever it's never going to, you know, it's never going to fly. And that was the moment that I saw that there's this huge knowledge gap. And it's this knowledge gap that prevents patients from getting access to medicines that might work because if a doctor doesn't know about it, they're not going to feel comfortable talking about it. So having seen this and realizing that my passion is psilocybin, I said, okay, how can we um, learn from the cannabis space and get this education out to people and practitioners before even policy starts to change? And so that's been, you know, the last couple of years, 2020, I spent all of it networking. Everyone was available. Um, I got to get a really good feel for where the industry is going and really focused in more on the psychedelic therapy route. And that's kind of how I got where you are now. <laughs> well, that, that's funny because the same thing happened to me with CBD and cannabis. I was looking for things how to re I was looking how to recovery from fitness faster because I'm doing a lot of health, health and what lifestyle. I've always been working out my life, always done been nutritional wise. And I'm like, okay, what's all this new stuff come out? And I fell into the whole little system. There's marijuana. I'm like cannabis. And I'm like, well, I can't use that. I'm a firefighter. And then slowly that education slid down in the CBD side. I'm like, whoa, wait, this is the stuff that's not, that's cannabis, but it is not the exact same thing. It's the stuff that's actually won't get me high, won't get me fired and everything else. The funny thing is, and I keep saying funny, it's a kind of weird word, but the, the psilocybin medication that you're talking about or, or treatments that you're doing, those are actually going through FDA approval now compared to where cannabis and CBD is still trying to fight to even get on the stage with the FDA. Is that correct? Yeah. So there are definitely differences between the two, uh, the two paths that these um, plant medicines, fungi, um, are taking. But... Currently, like you said, it is an FDA, um, it's like a new drug that they're developing. They're using synthetic psilocybin. So it's just the active ingredient in the mushrooms. And so, yeah, those studies have been incredible, uh, incredible to be a part of. And you're, you're currently part of one that's going through, I think it was, is it stage two or stage three that with the FDA? It's, yeah, phase two clinical trial for using psilocybin for major depression. And the company that's doing this, it's a nonprofit out of Wisconsin called USONA. And they contracted several locations, which are mostly universities. But we have a clinical research group here in, in Fort Lauderdale, actually. It's called Siegel Trials, and they've been doing mental health research for ages and now have shifted into this new frontier, which is very exciting. Listen, I, I'm a firefighter for the city of Fort Lauderdale. I didn't even know that there was research, first of all, in my own city on this, this, this stuff. I had no clue that it was actually going through FDA approval. But for those who don't know what psilocybin 
that treatments are, what is it exactly? What, what are the words that most people hear about? Because I know the words, and when I say it to certain people, their eyes like light up and go, you've got to be kidding. No, no way, this, we can't be doing that. Right, um, and that is the general narrative, except when you talk to the people who are involved in this, and we all think that everyone, like, what do you mean? Everyone does. Um, so psilocybin is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. They're the magic in the mushrooms. And this gets broken down in your body to the active drug psilocin, and this is what confers the um, the effects. And for most people, you know, it's, it was around in the seventies. Research was happening with LSD, which can, is called acid, um, and then with mushrooms as well. But the war on drugs kind of severed that as well um, and took it away from everyone. And in the early two thousands, there was like this resurgence, and psilocybin is now being used for research in, uh, it's being used for end of life anxiety. This is in Johns Hopkins. It's a very amazing study to take a look at. Um, they had terminal patients that were suffering severely anxiety, depression. And then after this treatment, one dose, um, their effects, their, their results were unbelievable. This is not something we've ever seen with antidepressant medications, anything like that. So psilocybin in the trial that's going on here in Fort Lauderdale, it's being used for major depression and it's a single dose and the participants get to have what we call integration calls afterwards. And, you know, this is a very, the word integration is a very important one within this entire psychedelic ecosystem because the medicine is only as useful as what you do with it. So the integration allows you to take these new insights, this new perspective that can be um, revealed to you under, you know, during the effect of the medicine. How do you take that insight and apply it to your life to live a better life, to, you know, apply coping mechanisms that you may never have been even able to recognize are there? Um, how do you do this and how do you do this regularly? And that's the integration part. So, I mean, the, it's a, and it's a placebo controlled. So it's exactly how science likes it to be done and we're doing it. And hopefully this will be the jump off point to tons of other research to happen in the space. So, so, so basically what you're saying is it's, so for those, for those of you listening, you're not going to be able to go out to your local dispensary, buy 8,000 pounds of magic mushrooms. And then all of a sudden your life's going to change. It's actually a, a, a taught procedure. Is that correct? So you're going to take the medications and then with, with physicians like yourself and other people, they're slowly going to help you determine exactly what it does, how it helped you out, and where you're going to make those changes in your life. Is that correct? Um, so, or am I way the, off? <laughs> the interesting thing is that there is there's no one way that this is going to be done. Um, you know, we have to do it a certain way for clinical research, but I hope that there's millions of ways to do this, and that. Each participant, whether it's in a patient situation where you're there with a therapist in the future when it's legalized, or if it's, um, you know, with someone who is a trained facilitator or sitter, somebody who, you know, is a, um, or a guide, many different names can be used, but someone who's trained to hold space uh, when someone is under the influence, um, or even with recreational, you know, like there's each person, um, the goal, the gift of the psychedelic I, in my opinion, is the ability to connect the person back to themselves such that they know what is right for them. So 
I, I believe that a certain dose will be right for someone at one point in their life and then a different dose is needed later. For example, um, you know, maybe a smaller dose will allow a person to feel relief from the symptoms of anxiety or the burden of anxiety and depression. But then they get to a point when they realize, okay, I feel better, but now I'm becoming aware that there's certain things in my life that aren't serving me. Or sometimes, you know, this medicine can uh, reveal a trauma that has been long suppressed. And when that happens, it's like, okay, well, maybe now I do need to go see a therapist and work through this in a different way. And then there will be some kind of um, guidelines. I don't want to say protocols because this really should be personalized, but guidelines of how to get a person to the next stage where they're, you know, really um, experiencing lasting healing. So right now with the clinical trial, we have, you know, the dose day is eight hours um, that we sit there with the patient. And then we have the follow-up calls that are a couple of hours every week. Um, there's other studies that are looking at shorter duration of uh, monitoring. And the reason is that, you know, when you have two doctors sitting there, that's $150 to $300 an hour, and that's eight hours. That's not very cost-effective. We've got to figure right. out a way um, to either, you know, group therapy is a big, big conversation, or... You know, shortening the duration, which is where the legal psychedelic currently ketamine becomes a uh, topic of conversation. Right. And for most people who don't know, ketamine has been FDA approved for, for depression, correct? So the in 2018, um, ketamine was approved as a ketamine therapy. So uh, the FDA designates it breakthrough therapy. And so it's technically still an off-label use, but it's being... Um, heavily implemented right now. And there's many different ways to do that as well. There's intramuscular, there's intravenous, there's oral dosing, and it's a whole whole other world right now. And that's what I was trying to get before. The whole, the whole process that we're going through is that we don't want people to think that, oh my God, all of a sudden the FDA is going to approve a bunch of psychedelics and we're going to have a bunch of zombies walk around. It's all therapies guided by actually trained professionals. That's the key that everybody needs to understand about this. It's not like your doctor's prescribing opiates here, take this, go home and take as many as you want. And then, you know, we'll fix your addiction later. This is actually a therapy to help people, correct? Right. And... You know, my concern is if we do try to roll this out into the existing Western medicine paradigm, then we may not see as much effect as we we possibly can. Because if some if someone's coming in to get a psychedelic medicine, let's say it's, you know, 2025 and it's legal as a as an option, someone's coming in thinking that this medicine is going to make them feel better without any. um understanding for themselves, what does feeling better look like? You know, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know that you got there? But that's how it is in psychiatry. I'm here. I don't feel good. I want to feel better. Here's some medicine. Let's try this. Even cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay, we'll try this. But does the patient know in their own words what is better? So like, you know, with psychedelics, um, I really hope that we can shift and give a little bit more accountability onto the patient, but also in that process, empower them that much more because it's so much more empowering to know that you did something with the help of a medicine than to think that the medicine did something for you.
Right. And that's why so much more research research is needed. And we talk, I think we talked about this offline, basically. When I was giving CBD to certain firefighters with no THC for pain, they would end up coming to me in about a week or so saying, hey, listen, I had some dark moments in my life. I wanted to hurt myself. I wasn't happy. And as I was taking the CBD, all of a sudden, those moments, those visions, those, those voices started to no longer be there. And that actually pushed me to actually go a little bit further in, in looking into the, the psychedelics and the psilocybin. And I noticed that as a firefighter, we're a type A personality. We do not like to go see somebody for help. Basically, we almost got to be pushed to do it. You got to be ordered to do it or not, or, or not, we're not going to do it. But I, I noticed that with the CBD, that barrier kind of dropped and they kind of felt like I actually can talk about it to somebody now. And that's what just blew my mind. And this is now these, all these therapies and research is basically opening people's mind, like you said, to understand who they are, what's going wrong. Now that I can see it, I can actually start helping myself. Yeah. So when I first looked at CBD um, and just the effect that, again, I can't believe that I was in medical school, not a single mention of the endocannabinoid system, which now we know is responsible for regulating the other, like the nervous system. And so when I started trying to understand what CBD, I, the way I got to explain it is it's like the yin to the yang that is cortisol. Because we live a life that is constantly triggering cortisol release, our stress hormones. And stress affects every aspect of our lives, from vision to joints to digestion, everything. And so when, when you think about it, the endocannabinoid system is supposed to um, create these molecules that resemble THC and CBD. We don't really do things that stimulate that system to create this. So we're in a constant imbalance of cortisol compared to the balancing uh, molecules. Now, when you take CBD, people are like, oh, but why does it work for everything? It's like, well, because stress affects everything. So if you balance just the stress hormone a little bit, then you get to feel this relief. You get to feel, you know, the intensity kind of subside. And maybe that's what makes people a little bit more open. If you're not in this constant fight or flight, you have an opportunity to think a little bit. With psychedelics, and I'll speak to psilocybin in particular, um, so they work on certain um, s- certain receptors in the brain. It's called the 5-HT2A receptor. And one of the interesting things that happens with psychedelics is that when, when you take them, your, the way that your mind usually works, you know, when you're daydreaming, you're thinking about thinking, you think about other people, um, you know, think about the past, think about the future, thinking about yourself, all of these things, it's like your default mode network. It's your, it's your programming that you just run automatically. And when you take a psychedelic, it almost forces your brain to snap out of that default mode and use new ways to new connections to relay the same information, which is not a new state of being. This is how we were as children. And so here, the interesting thing that happens with respect to trauma is that you almost get access to parts of your history that you um, may have repressed or something that you didn't even realize was a trauma but has been affecting you uh, throughout your life. And the way that I like to describe this to people is 
Uh, when I was in medical school, my dad said, go to sleep at night. All the little dudes in your brain have to file away all this information, the cabinets. And those same little dudes are taking inventory of your day-to-day life. So whenever you go through anything in your life, it's like good, bad, neutral, good, bad, neutral, and it's putting it away. And when we experience something traumatic, and when I say trauma, I mean it in, in this one uh, traumatologist defined it as any negative experience that happens in a state of relative helplessness. So if you're in a relationship and you're staying together for the kids, you're relatively helpless. If you're in a job but, and you hate it, but you need it to pay rent, you're relatively helpless. And as a child, you are at baseline relatively helpless. So any negative thing that happens as a kid can really shift how you view yourself, how you interact with the world, and just overall your personality. So like tripping in front of a crush, this is an example I like to give. You trip in front of a crush in kindergarten, maybe that's why you didn't try out for basketball in high school and can't speak in public as an adult. And when you take the psychedelic, you remember that trauma. Now, that trauma may, um, when you when you remember it now as an adult, you get to go back and essentially tell your younger self, you know, like remembering this trauma and to be that older person that tells you it's going to be okay. So you become that older person yourself who can refile whatever experience that was into something that's more, um, that's more, more coherent. That's something that's a more positive spin and little by little, you know, that is what the psychedelic offers, um, you know, processing trauma is one of the big things that a psychedelic experience offers. Basically, you seeing yourself in the mirror and you're talking to yourself about what's going on. And it's not like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I kind of don't understand it. I understand it a little bit. It's not like somebody else that you don't know is telling you what to do. It's basically you're finding out yourself and yourself is helping yourself basically get better. Is that, is that, is that correct? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, you know, I've, I've spoken to people that they, they, they find out things about themselves that they thought were the opposite. Like they, you know, wow, I realized that I actually am kind of selfish. But when you identify that in like, uh, in this, uh, context, your ego doesn't try to defend it. Like, well, I'm selfish because it's like, no, I'm selfish. And you know what? There's some value to that. And setting healthy boundaries is a good thing, but I could be a little bit different in these situations. And to have that clarity about yourself is such a cool thing, I think. Um, But not everyone's ready for it. So, you know, there's, and my views on the medical model versus a decriminalization model where, you know, it is accessible to people. One, education. I don't think that without education, it should be legal or medical, because that's, I think, one of the big reasons why it kind of got away from us in the 70s. There was all this counterculture misuse, and we collectively need healing right now. So making this strictly a medical model does two things. It creates a bottleneck because we have to train people to work with this. Just because you have a medical degree does not mean that you have the emotional maturity or uh, ability to sit in non-judgment that would be required in such a sensitive, vulnerable uh, place um, that, the, that the participant is in. 
So we need to train people. We have a lot of sick people and a very narrow kind of path to access. So for me, if we can roll out a massive education campaign that people understand what is it they're getting involved with, you know, all of my conversations is, hey, they could be great, but there's a spectrum and it depends on what you do with it. Um, If we have something like that, then I think decriminalization is an amazing option. You're going to get, you know, firefighters, healthcare workers, people who are used to giving, who are used to showing up for others, have the hardest time receiving that same help or asking for that same help. And you are 1000% more likely to get some firemen or a few doctors to take a small microdose of mushrooms on a weekend than you are to get any of them to allocate any amount of time to go to therapy during the week, you know? So we got to meet people where they're at and give them all the tools they need to be able to heal the way that feels right for them. I I couldn't agree with you more. You're 100% spot on with that, especially with firefighters. Like I said before, unless we're ordered to go for therapy, there's nothing wrong with us. We're not. But if we can feel comfortable doing it in our own comfortable state, then chances are actually we'll, we'll, we'll be able to do it and we'll get a lot more out of it. This is an amazing conversation. Of course, this won't end here. You and I are going to stay connected because, like I said, I, I'm all learning a little bit more about this. But what are you involved in now and where, what companies and where can people reach and follow you so that they also can find out a little bit more about all this stuff? Absolutely. So one of my... Um, One of the projects that we have going on right now is through Mr. Psychedelic Law. This is a nonprofit that filed a bill early this year. Uh, It was uh, Grico, uh, Mike Grico, who filed the bill. And it was for decriminalization of all entheogenic plants and fungi. The entheogen is the hallucinogens. And a medical model for psilocybin. It was a splash. It didn't go anywhere. But now we are pushing forth with a research bill. So the idea is to uh, mirror what happened in Texas and New York and bring it to the Florida, bring it to Florida and say, hey, this is coming. We have the patient populations. We have the end of life. We have the addiction. We have opioid addiction. We have, you know, mental health coverage is not the best. So we have the people who need the help. Um, so let's bring this research here. And that segues beautifully into the group that I'm with currently, which is Siegel Trials. They're the ones that got contracted to do USONA's psilocybin study. And they're c- currently expanding into a psychedelic and cannabis research center. So there will be so many opportunities for people to enroll. You know, everyone knows somebody who could benefit. And if if they didn't before 2020, they certainly do now. You know, if it's like, oh, I've never felt depressed. What about now? <laughs> now, now you know what that's like? Um, so this, there's so many opportunities to get involved. So the group is Siegel Trials, and you can, uh, I'll give you some links to post where you can see if you qualify for the ongoing psilocybin study. And then also all the studies that are going to come following this, you know, it's, such a beautiful thing when participants come in and are willing to do this for science. And it's honestly going to help us so much to move the needle forward. 
That, that's amazing. So we'll post all those links. So this way, if people want to actually go to the nonprofit, donate and help you guys get where, where you want to go and also follow up with you and also follow up with the, the studies if they're interested in that. So we'll post those all to the links when we actually let the show go, which will probably be in a couple of weeks or not. Dr. Dr. Mir, I appreciate you coming on. Like, again, we're going to stay in touch, definitely, because it's not the first time I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to reach out some more, and I'm definitely going to follow and find some ways to actually, like you said, educate the firefighters on different options, especially those who have already been retired or whoever those are basically looking for a place to go or something different than just the old pharmaceutical for medications to where they just get continuously upgraded to a different one, and next thing you know, you're on 40, 50 different medications that are just not doing nothing and causing you more issues than, than needed. I talk about that for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have yourself an awesome day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is podcast powertrain right now they're doing an, an amazing offer for all their course material if you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there also if you're looking for a platform not sure which platform to use to record your show on riverside fm is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside. Check them out and you will not be disappointed. Again, thank you for all listening to the show and we will see you. Well, we won't see you, but we'll get with you next week. You guys have a great week. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow.